It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It reminds us of all that once was good. The only church that truly feeds the soul day in, day out is the Church of Baseball. White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. The latest news and views from players, coaches, and direct from the front office. White Sox Weekly, on the proud new home for Chicago White Sox baseball. WLS. Welcome into White Sox Weekly. Happy 2017. Nice to be back with you at a little bit of a best of show. Last time out, holidays and whatnot. Glad that you're back with us. And uh, I, I think, you know, welcome back. White Sox Weekly, Connor McKnight, WLSAM Night. You know all of those particulars. It's your chance to get to talk a little White Sox baseball here in the dead of winter. And it is very, very dead, very cold. Uh, and we might have to, Justin, would you write this down from Justin Basics, our producer? And I said, we might need to change the open a little bit for White Sox Weekly. It's 2017 now. We've been the proud home of the White Sox for over a year I think we need to take out new home of the White Sox and just put in home of the White Sox. We must have to make an addendum, send something down to Big Voice Guy and, and, and adjust how we introduce the show. A lot of big plans, actually, for White Sox Weekly uh, in the year of 20. You don't actually have to write that down, Justin. That's definitely my job. I'll take care of that. Don't worry about it. A lot of big plans for 2017, a lot of big plans for the White Sox in 2017. And I'm pretty jumped about it because pretty soon here we kick off what I've always kind of thought of as – the official start to the 2017 baseball season and that Sox Fest coming up January 27th through the 29th. Once that gets going, you know, it's three straight days of just talking baseball and meeting new players and meeting some of the old guys, seeing how the off season went and just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with all these guys. It's a fun weekend. I enjoy it immensely. It is, uh, it's one of those weekends where I'm sure you have this, you know, at your work or, or, or some, wherever, you, wherever you do work and business and whatnot. It's that it's the three days that are really intense and a lot of work to do, but at the end of it, you're just you're happy you did it and, and really thrilled with, with what came out of it. And that's always how I feel about SoxFest at the end of the year. And, and even, you know, I know last year was my first SoxFest and WLS's first SoxFest with team and, and being the home of the White Sox. But I'd, you know, I'd covered it for other shops beforehand and done a little work there, too. Very excited uh, for this year's Sox Fest because we've got some cool things planned. And we'll let you know what those are throughout uh, some of the show today, some of the show next week, and definitely as we get set uh, for January 27th, which is day one. A lot of things to get to throughout the course of the show today. One of the guys who's going to be at Sox Fest, in fact, he was just added to the old Sox Fest roster just a couple of days ago, Derek Holland is going to join us on the show. Right about at, at a moment around 1245 is when you'll hear from Derek Holland. We'll give a call and we'll uh, we'll talk with him about moving over to the White Sox from the Rangers about his past year. And there have been a number of people who have uh, who have asked me on, on Twitter and just kind of running around and, and otherwise. I don't know why this has been the question about Derek Holland. You know, it's not about uh, getting a big lefty into the White Sox organization. That's worked out well. 
It's not so much about, you know, can he rebound from from injuries over the last two years, pitch 200 innings like he likes to, all that kind of stuff. No, mostly the questions have been whether Derek is going to throw with a mustache in 2017. I don't know why those have been the questions, but that's uh, more or less what people are asking about. We will ask the questions you want to ask here on White Sox Weekly because that's, if nothing else, what we exist to do. Uh, there have been rumors for the last, for all of the end of 2016 and into 2017, when you've got guys like Buster Olney, Ken Rosenthal, and Peter Gammons all chatting about your squad at this point in the winter, it means that things uh, may in fact be percolating. Rick Hahn, uh, actually, and if you listen to it, I, I, I'll plug other stuff on, on this show here when I feel the need to, but Buster Olney does a damn good podcast over on, uh, over on his website and where he podcasts anything. Uh, but Rakan was was on that podcast a little while ago talking about the – in fact, I think it was yesterday uh, – about the fact that things are percolating and the White Sox are indeed um, doing business the way they talked about wanting to do business throughout the entirety of the offseason at the GM meetings. Irons are in the fire. And as Rick said on this show right after the Chris Sale trade and at the GM meetings and to anybody who was asking that if they had their druthers, they'd have a couple more moves – done and ready to roll before the start of spring training this year. When we talked to Rick at that point, it was trying to get things done at the winter meetings, and indeed the Adam Eaton deal was done the day after, but uh, there were there's potential for more. There's potential for more. So with rumors abounding and for other teams and concerning other teams in baseball, uh, the, you know we kind of get the trade market set. We can figure out who's worth what and what's worth who, and it just kind of – you know, we see the dominoes fall or the Tetris pieces come together and, and kind of complete the picture here. And I think some of those guys' reports, Olney's and Rosenthal's and Gammon's, those reports over the last two, three, four days have kind of filled out that picture a little bit. We'll talk about exactly what they've been saying, what we've been hearing, and what that may mean for the White Sox. Uh, also, uh, in addition to Derek Holland added to the White Sox, uh, the SoxFest roster, by the way, Nick Jones was added to the roster just a couple of days ago. I want to keep you up to speed on everybody that you can find and harangue and uh, handshake and baby kiss with at SoxFest. It's uh, Derek Holland and Nate Jones, the latest additions to that SoxFest roster. Um, pitchers and catchers, going through the news and notes here. want to make sure you're up to date. Pitchers and catchers report for the White Sox on February 14th. Uh, that's Valentine's Day for those of you who don't celebrate. For those of you who do, you know that, and you're probably locked up with something that night. But pitchers and catchers, hmm. three of the best words in the English language, pitchers and catchers, they report on February 14th, and it almost makes you feel, despite the fact that it's like seven out, it almost makes you feel warm inside. The White Sox also added one to the uh, to the 40-man, Willie Garcia, was claimed off waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and in order to make room, Jason Coates, was designated for assignment. We saw Coates in some action this year. Uh, had a good year in Triple A Charlotte and kind of struggled to get moving uh, and, and hit for average like he had at Triple A and, and through most of the minors with the White Sox in the 2016 season. He played 28 games, uh, went 10 for 50, did hit the one home run, uh, which was a fun one to watch. Uh, but Jason Coates has been designated for assignment, and Willie Garcia comes into the White Sox organization. We'll talk a little bit about Willie and uh, read through some of his scouting reports, let you know what the White Sox have picked up. Let's see, what other news and notes? Oh, yeah, the World Baseball Classic. I keep on forgetting. You know, pitchers and catchers reporting February 14th is a little earlier than normal. Not by a ton, but definitely by a couple of days. Full squad reports, uh, the first full squad workout, I should say, is February 18th. 
So it's for 14th for pitchers and catchers. Full squad, February 18th. It's a little no- earlier than normal, and it's because the World Baseball Classic has pushed some things up, timetable-wise, for spring training. So if you're wondering why it's so early or earlier than normal, that would be why. World Baseball Classic runs March 6th through the 22nd. So you got plenty of opportunities to watch some of that stuff. I, I remember watching the last one and actually enjoying it pretty good. Uh, you'll remember, I, th- I think it was the last World Baseball Classic where Jose Reyes was, uh, oh no, it was Hanley Ramirez. Hanley Ramirez was mashing dingers and bat flipping all over the place. And it was a ton of fun, really exciting stuff. And I, or entertaining stuff, I should say. I, I don't know, you know, that it'll ever have the draw of, of some, of, of, Major League Baseball of some of the you know the postseason and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that it never has it'll ever have that kind of gravitas, but at the same time, it's pretty darned entertaining. And I, and I think that's more or less because the guys on those squads, on those respective teams, you can tell they want to be there and they want to win ball games. I mean, look no further than than some of those just the last baseball, uh, the World Baseball Classic, the DR United States. Uh, Team Columbia is going to be in there, is in there again this year. And as it stands now, Jose Quintana, who is uh, the number one, probably opening day starter for the White Sox as things stand right now. Jose Quintana is slated to be that number one starter for the Colombian team in the World Baseball Classic. The the play on state side, the play state side is going to be at Petco Park and in Miami. Um, So you've got two options there if you want to get around to it. And then the finals are in L.A. at Dodger Stadium. That's the 20th. 21st and 22nd there's still spring training going on throughout most of that there are games of course uh in and out and we'll have all of them here well we'll have 15 of them here on wls throughout spring training uh, but the world baseball classic pushes things off to those dates um want to let you one more thing on Sox fest here before we uh before we hit the first break and then we'll get into some of the reports that uh, peter gammons buster olney and ken rosenthal have been throwing around um one of them or i guess a, a central point of them kind of concerning Chris Archer of the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm going to link that back to what that may or may not mean for the White Sox and the potential of a Jose Quintana deal, as we've been hearing about for quite some time. is something that the a lot of teams have been calling the White Sox about at the very least. We've also got a prospect list that, uh, let's see, MLB, minorleagueball.com, who is jo- which is John Sickles' website. It, he want to know a prospect guy. John Sickles knows what he's talking about. And the White Sox list, the top 20 is out. We'll go through some of those. Um, but one more thing on SoxFest for WLS. I got a feeling, and I can't make it official yet, but I got a feeling that you're going to find all of your WLS favorites at SoxFest. Like all of them. Every, all of them. I think they're all going to be making appearances, and I'll be there for you to talk to and hold throughout the weekend. Yeah, that's right. Big John Howell, you can hold them. At SoxFest 2017. We'll be back with some of the latest rumors. Talk about what it means for the White Sox. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly. Phone number is 312-591-8900. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. You can join us in Glendale, Arizona for White Sox spring training single-game tickets for the 2017 Cactus League season at Camelback Ranch. Go on sale this Monday, January 9th. Tickets start at just $10 per game with special promotions throughout the season. 
purchase tickets online, visit whitesox.com slash spring. That's whitesox.com slash spring or Camelback Ranch Baseball. Dot com. That's camelbackranchbaseball.com. You can also call 1-800-352-0212. 1-800-352-0212. May not feel like it, but we are getting closer and closer, inching closer and closer to spring training. Pitchers and catchers, like we said, report February 14th, full squad on the 18th. Sox Fest on January 27th. And in fact, Sox Fest 17 returns January 27th through January 29th, and it's bringing ballpark fun to the Hilton Chicago. You'll score an autograph or photo with current players, coaches, and White Sox greats. Your favorite areas are back with an interactive space to play games. You can win prizes and shop for team gear. It'll be a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now. Visit whitesox.com slash SoxFest for tickets and more information. Big news, uh, I guess, concerning the White Sox and really all of the baseball, all of Major League Baseball right now, is exactly what's going on on the hot stove. And you know, you know it as, as well as I do. You've been following baseball long enough. Once Christmas hits, once the New Year's goes through, things start to really, you know, ratchet back down. That's not to say the deals can't get made at this point of the year. That's not to say that they don't. It's just more often they get done right around that winter meetings in between Christmas. Kind of thing. Historically speaking, that's when moves get made. And if you're you're sitting around at this point, maybe if you're a free agent or if you're uh, somebody looking for a, a minor league deal or, or a, tr- a team looking to make a trade, it's maybe let's say tougher going. But teams tend to kind of ratchet things back at this point. I don't know if that's necessarily the case this year, though. I think things are a little different this season, and I think that has a lot to do with some of the pitching. That is on the trade market right now. And, of course, if you've been paying attention, Ken Rosenthal, uh, Fox Sports, who does a fantastic job working uh, for them and covering baseball and has for the last, I don't know, 35, 40, 50, however long Ken's been doing it. Probably not that long. But he's been, you know, with his latest, saying that teams have been calling about Jose Quintana on a pretty regular basis. And, of course, that shouldn't be news necessarily uh, to any White Sox fan, I think Rick Hahn, the GM of this club, was pretty forthright with exactly where uh, their road may take them throughout the course of this offseason, throughout the this this process that has retooled some of the minor league system that is hopefully bringing them closer. And this is the plan, obviously, to bring them closer to a championship and sooner. Uh, but I think more or less, as we kind of set this market throughout the offseason, it's important to look around and see – what other comparable pieces, at least I think, what other comparable pieces exist on this trade market or even the free agent market? Because Tyson Ross kind of plays in here and there as a replacement, de facto replacement for somebody that you might be able to pick up on the trade market if you think that Tyson Ross is a guy that your club can rehab some, not physically, not from an injury necessarily, but just bring back from a, from a really rough 2016 and I think some of the guys that maybe come close to the top of the market here aren't guys we necessarily thought would be on the move. You know, you look back to the beginning of the 2016 season, the Sox opened with the Oakland A's, and instead of Sonny Gray making the first start of the year for Oakland, it was Rich Hill. Now, that seemed weird at the time, and Rich didn't have a good outing his first time out against the White Sox. They took a couple of walks. They... Uh, hit him around a little bit. He didn't last that long, but he didn't know he was going to start. Sonny Gray had that 
I don't know, stomach flu kind of thing that knocked him out of that start. But I think as we started 2016, getting back to the point here, Sonny Gray was one of those guys that would be on the move, that you almost knew was going to be traded. Well, injuries pop up. The A's aren't exactly able to move him, and you know things go a little bit differently. And maybe the A's do get back out on the trade market or get Sonny Gray back out onto the trade market at some point this season. Uh, but that's going to be up to him getting back on track. One guy that you might have picked out as a potential trade target that for, for your club, whether it's the White Sox or someone else, uh, not necessarily the White Sox, I should say, last season, but uh, if you're looking to improve that pitching rotation, might have been Chris Archer of the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's kind of where this rumor um, and, and some of the conversations that uh, Peter Gammons has been talking about or had been talking about just the other day on MLB Network was about Chris Archer. And here's how this all connects to the White Sox. And I'll get to Chris Archer specifically in just a second. Obviously, the Astros have been one of a few clubs that have been hot after pitching this offseason. You saw what that lineup is able to do in 2015. You saw what it was able to get back on track and become in 2016 after about the first two months of the season. They were one of the hottest teams in baseball down the stretch the last three, four months, three and a half, four months. And what failed the Astros kind of from a macro level, was some of the bullpen, sure. I don't think Ken Giles threw to the level that the Astros had hoped he'd throw to. And that was a factor, part of it. But mostly it was the starting pitching. It was a uh, Cy Young winner in Dallas Keuchel kind of falling off a little bit, falling off to a, a pretty big degree, actually. Lance McCullers maybe not coming back around. Colin McHugh maybe not rising to the level that, that they needed him to once Dallas Keuchel had gone down. So they need, they're that roster that is very much in the Jose Quintana discussion, so say many reports, and you know, so says the general philosophy of baseball. Man, he'd look good from the Astros' perspective in that starting rotation. And as the White Sox look to retool and look for matches and look for uh, the right fit to make some of these moves, you know, you realize that they don't do this lightly. This isn't a, you know, you hear Rick Hahn talk, whether it's here on White Sox Weekly or elsewhere in interviews in local papers or national uh, national media. This is not something that is that is taken lightly. I mean, they had to move one of the best pitchers in baseball to get their franchise on the right track, to get this uh, to get this team headed in the right direction and, and build it out to a level that's a sustainable winner. With Jose Quintana, I, I think one of the interesting parallels or an interesting parallel with him this offseason is Chris Archer. It's a Tampa Bay Rays team that is in a somewhat similar spot as the White Sox. They have some decent young talent they'd like to build around. I think some of those prospects, whether it be you know Kevin Kiermaier or others, have achieved to a certain level but perhaps not rounded out completely. And with the Rays, you know, there's a little bit of a different dynamic than other teams. They're just it's kind of similar to the A's we were just talking about. There just isn't quite that cash to know that you can keep a franchise guy like Chris Archer, despite his 2016 results, for the long term. It's why David Price had to be moved. It's you know it's kind of been the it's why Carl Crawford wasn't retained at his time. That's just kind of where that team is. So how does Chris Archer compare to Jose Quintana? Well, stats wise really not much of a comparison in the 2016 season. Jose had one of his best seasons, perhaps indeed his best season in the bigs, throwing 208 innings. The whip was a 1.16. Uh, 
Strikeouts per nine were uh, almost as high as they've ever been, 7.8. Never been a huge strikeout guy, but he walks next to no one. The home runs were up just a tick, but I guess they were all across baseball. And an ERA of 3.20 that could have been lower if not for um, two bad starts in his last four. He got hit around a little bit, maybe a little fatigued at the end of a season. But Jose Quintana is absolutely dynamite. Chris Archer had maybe his worst season last year, 9-19 and 19 with a 4 ERA, which, again, the American League isn't all that terrible. But for Chris Archer, that's a big departure from his 2014-2015 results. So why do I bring up Archer when it compares to Quintana? Well, I'm talking about young and controllable arms, right? Archer's been in the league for five years. So is Jose Quintana. Chris Archer's 28. Jose Quintana's 27. Both of them have uh, uh, plenty of team control left. Both of them are pretty darn cheap when it comes to the, the squads that they're, or when it comes to the production that they give a squad. Peter Gammons was talking a little bit on MLB Network and saying that the package that had been asked for from Tampa by the Astros was a pretty good one, a pretty big one, and one that he compared to something that the Astros were maybe looking to do for Jose Quintana. Big names, guys that were, you know, guys that'll turn your head a little bit prospect-wise. Francis Martes, a pitcher, one of them, uh, is a guy that I got to see in the Arizona Fall League when I went down a couple of months ago and really liked just really enjoyed watching him pitch. He's got a big, dynamic fastball. He's got a breaking ball that'll break your front leg. It's It was fun to watch. He has to work on his control a little bit, but that's what it's like to be a AAA pitcher. So I just thought it was interesting to see some of the differences between, or really some of, some of the similarities between the guys that may be out there on the market. And if that helps inform you as to, as to where that market is, that's that's what I hope to, that's what I hope to do. And I think it's interesting to kind of compare those two players, those two potential halls, and and see where those clubs are at and how it kind of informs the White Sox situation as we get real close to spring training. You can join us for a fun season of White Sox baseball with your own customized Pick 7 or Pick 14 plan. Choose your favorite games and promotions and enjoy savings off the individual game ticket price. These plans are available now, so secure your seats before individual tickets go on sale. For tickets or more information, so whitesox.com slash season tickets. That, that's whitesox.com slash season tickets. Or call 312-674-1000. The 1230 News is next. Derek Holland's going to join us at 1245. A little room for your phone calls after the news. 312-591-8900. I'm Connor McKnight, and you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and the most popular way to follow the White Sox and White Sox baseball is with MLB.com at bat. It's the number one app for live baseball. Enjoy live look-ins, highlights, game day scores, stat cast, live radio broadcasts, and more. Get MLB.com at bat on your favorite devices. Now, that's a good way to actually listen to, uh, to Ed and DJ. Let's say you're like, you know, you're in the city or something. Uh, and the reception's not great, or maybe you, maybe you work in a. Uh, I know a lot of people work, you know, in basements of some of these skyscrapers and stuff downtown. You just hop on the app and you get the Wi-Fi and you get to listen to Ed and DJ here on WLS AM ninety. It is awesome, absolutely awesome. Uh, Want to get into a couple of things uh, about prospects and about where the White Sox are at in in building out um, some of the organization that they've been uh, the road they've been on since trading Chris Sale. 
Um, Want to get your phone calls two three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred, and we'll talk a bit about the, I suppose, technically the newest White Sox before we talk to one of the other newest White Sox. Derek Holland is going to join the show in about eh, 10, 12 minutes, something like that, right about twelve forty-five or so. John Sickles, who is a fantastic talent evaluator and a guy who knows his prospects pretty well, and we're, we'll go through some of these lists, some some different lists uh, throughout the course of the offseason because I, I think it's fun to see how these guys get ranked, what kind of uh, potential there is throughout the system and and when I think this is maybe the most fun, at least for me, especially seeing where um, or or what age some of the prospects the White Sox have acquired over the last month or so are at. It's kind of just seeing when their ETAs are right, when the horizon is for some of these uh, some of these ballplayers that the Sox have picked up. That's not to say that the process. That's not to say that I think the White Sox ought to be picking up. Um, closer to major league ready prospects just for the sake of putting them on the field or being able to put them on the field developmentally. I, I think you you have to, at this point, find the best and round out this thing. Give yourselves as many shots as you can at finding your next stars, right? Finding your next, let's face it, Chris Sales, finding your next guys who are going to be part of a, a White Sox championship ball club. And I think they're well on their way to doing that and adding some of the top guys that they've added. So in this kind of conversation, you want to ask some questions about these rosters, these, uh, well, I shouldn't say rosters, but about these lists, feel free to do it. You've got the phone number at 312-591-8900, and after we're through kind of going through it, I will tweet out the list so you can find it yourself and consume it at your leisure. Uh, That's at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle, at C1McKnight. And if you want to shoot us questions throughout the week on the White Sox, I know a lot of you have asked whether Derek Holland is going to be pitching with a mustache this year. Know why you wanted? I mean, I guess I wanted to know it too. And I, I'll ask him. I'll ask him in a couple of minutes. I promise. But you can do that too at C One McKnight. So going through some of the list again. This is uh, minorleagueball.com. It's a site that John Sickles uh, provides a lot of content to, and I think it's interesting because some of the names, the top twenty that he put together for the White Sox system. I think some of these names, even in the bottom of these lists, are names that you may see at the major league level. This year, and some guys that I'm actually kind of excited to watch play and fight for spots. And that's kind of, it'll bring us to Willie Garcia, one of the guys, uh, a guy that the White Sox picked up off waivers from the Pirates. I believe it was yesterday. I have the press release right in front of me. I guess I could just read the date. Yeah, that was yesterday. Um, and, and, and just kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing jobs competed for in spring training. I don't think that's a necessary thing for a ball club. I don't think you have to have that kind of competition all over the place in order to make yourself a good club. But I think in some places you do. And I think having some kind of competition breeds obviously breeds the best out of those guys that are competing. So as we start at 20, and we'll just kind of fly through a couple of these, but uh, we'll read a little bit more on some of them. We start with Jacob May, who's an outfielder, age 24, third-round pick in 2013, and ranked number 20 on minorleagueball.com. I think Jacob May... I think Charlie Tilson, who we'll find a little bit later on in this list, and and, and others are going to work pretty hard for that starting center field job for the White Sox in 2017. Jacob May is a guy who would have made his major league debut last year had he not, just awful timing, had he not gotten hurt. I think it was a hamstring that sidelined May uh, when the Austin Jackson injury popped up, or just before the Austin Jackson injury popped up, and Rick Hahn kind of mentioned that, well, you know, Jacob might have been that next guy up to take some ABs at the major league level. 
I think you'll see him this year in some degree. And uh, as John Sickles writes on MinorLeagueBall.com, between May and Tilson, the Sox have really good candidates for, at the least, um, that kind of fourth outfielder provider bench role. Matt Cooper, Alex Call, who is a guy that's well-liked by some of uh, some deep-seam heads in the White Sox community that love prospects. Uh, Alex Call is 18. Jordan Stevens, a right-hander, 24-year-old at 17. Jake Peter at 16. And Charlie Tilson at 15. Of course, Charlie Tilson's the guy that the White Sox got for Zach Duke right before the deadline. He is a local guy, a Nutrier kid, if memory serves correctly. And um, a guy that was... I think ninth in the Cardinals organizational. No, no, he would have been about 11th or 12th, I guess, in the Cardinals organization. 15 here. He is a burner, has a ton of speed and range. And the key for Tilson is being able to hit for a little bit more power. Obviously, in center field, you're not looking for a guy that can completely mash. Um, but you need a little bit of power that will just uh, keep guys honest. And Tilson's going to look for some of that throughout spring training this year, age 24 and primed, hopefully, for a major league debut, or I shouldn't say debut because that was last season in a tough game and where he ripped his hamstring up, but hopefully a little bit more major league play in 2017. Dylan Covey comes in at 14, uh, 25-year-old, and a Rule 5 guy, so you'll see him on the roster this year. In fact, that's the Rule 5. He's got to stay on the roster this year in order for the White Sox to keep him. Michael Inoa makes the grade again here, or uh, at least makes this list again here uh, for John Sickles. And I think Inoa's a guy who, I, I shouldn't say that it's incredibly likely, but I would just look out. 25 years old, worked out of the bullpen mostly. Maybe he's a guy that becomes a little bit more versatile in that bullpen, a guy that can work multiple innings, a guy that can be a little bit more, and, and I do think that some bullpens are going to go to this a little bit more in 2017 than we're used to seeing Kind of that um, long stopper fireman role that we saw in the mid-70s or so. I, don't, I, I just get the feeling that his repertoire and his uh, ability in past lends him more to that role than some others. He could be really useful out of the pen if he harnesses some of the things we saw last season. Jamison Fisher, an outfielder at 23 years old, makes it at 12. And we get to the first acquired prospect over the last couple of months, Luis Alexander Basabe at 11. Basabe is a 20-year-old and likely to be, I, I would assume, high A this season, or at least to start this season, perhaps in double A at 20, but that's a little young. Maybe in that high A role with a potential pr- uh, promotion to double A this next season. But Luis Alexander Basabe is definitely a guy that uh, a lot of scouts like the talent of, a little bit of a uh, little bit of lottery ticket in Basabe, but uh, a lot of people like looking at him. A lot of people like watching what he's able to do. Spencer Adams comes in at ten and twenty year old. Feels like he's been in the White Sox system for a while, but that's what happens when you get drafted at like you know age twelve. Adams is a guy that a lot of people like. Didn't quite have the twenty fifteen that uh, that you might have that you might have hoped for, but still a good season and a guy who's still growing, guy who's still learning quite a bit. We'll see where he goes in the. Um, in double a and perhaps perhaps a triple a assignment he is uh fairly advanced speaking of alec hansen is a guy that uh was drafted in this prior draft and uh is nine on this list a guy that you think might be able to move fairly quickly through some of the minor leagues i know the white Sox and rick Hahn have talked quite a bit about maybe taking a little bit of a slower track with prospect promotion than they're used to taking 
what with uh, the road that this team has has chosen to get on. Uh, but Hanson is a guy that I could see kind of running through. Dane Dunning, Zach Birdie, and Zach Collins go eight, seven, and six. Carson Fulmer, a familiar name and a guy that I think will be in the rotation at some point this year, goes five. Ronaldo Lopez, four. Michael Kopech, three. And, of course, I'm kind of ripping through some of these top guys because we've talked about them so much this offseason. You know who they are. Lucas Giolito is two. And Yuan Mankata is the number one prospect probably in all of baseball. And, of course, that means he's the number one prospect for the White Sox system, too. I'll tweet out that list. You can go through some of the numbers. I like John Sickles' work a lot. He is a trained and talented eye in prospect evaluation. Um, Going to take a break real quickly here, and when we get back, we'll talk to one of the newest White Sox, Derek Holland. He's going to be in the rotation at the start of the 2017 season. We'll talk with him next on White Sox Weekly, WLS AMA 90. So welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight, and with us on the horn is one of the newest White Sox. It's Derek Holland, who's coming over here from the Rangers. Derek, thanks for hopping on the show. Really appreciate you taking some time for us. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, so uh, the Sox actually just announced a day or two ago that uh, you will be at SoxFest coming up this uh, January 27th through the 29th. Are you are you prepared? Are you are you ready for what Sox Fest is? Has anyone prepped you on this? I, I have not been prepped or anything. Uh, I just go into it, and you know, I'm just going to be there and see what I can do and interact with the fans and, and show them I'm, I'm just a regular person and, and have some fun. Beautiful, beautiful. It is. It's a thing. It's a trip. Uh, but you'll really enjoy it, and I think White Sox fans will uh, will enjoy getting with you. I, I know, you know, you're you're a colorful guy, an interesting guy, guy that uh, has a lot to say. Uh, both in interviews, in clubhouses, and whatnot. Were you always that comfortable with yourself in a baseball setting? No. Uh, you know, how it all started, actually, is the guys that mentored me. I had uh, Eddie Gordado is by far one of the best guys that, that mentored me and, and showed me the ropes. I mean, right when I first got to the big leagues, he was the first guy. And we have very similar personalities. And so being around him helped. And then Darren Oliver and Michael Young both, like, help bring it out of me like they were getting things to getting getting me to show more of my personality and that's that's when I started to realize you know what if I just be myself and have fun the guys you know don't know how I am they know I'm competitive I'm going to be out there playing to win but at the same time I also want to enjoy what I'm doing and, and make the most of it do you think that's helped you on the hill without a doubt I think uh having a personality lets me uh be who I am so I mean I know I'm not going to be you know, somebody else. I got to be who I am. The, the thing that I've always learned is we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people and just compare ourselves to the person we were yesterday and kind of go from there. And I felt like I've done a good job of that with using my personality and being who I am. And, and I know what I do to get myself prepared for the games and, and all the hard work that I put in to make sure that I'm ready to play the game as well. So I, I don't, I don't uh, let any of that stuff be a distraction, but I am who I am. You know, that's that's. I'm sure a lot of White Sox fans are listening now and, and thinking, man, that's a dude that I can relate to. And in, in my first year with the White Sox this last year, something you learn about it, each and every fan base is you know, they can they appreciate real dudes, guys who are going to be there and and just be that guy every day. Is that something that that is deeper in the Rangers organization? I, I'm wondering because you know you wrote that long thank you on I think it was Instagram or something like that to the Rangers, and one of the first things I saw when you signed with the White Sox was that thank you to the Rangers. I thought it was pretty impressive. I don't know that everybody goes out of their way to do that. It seems 
that that organization, uh, like some others in baseball, but that one specifically kind of, I don't know, teaches that to their guys? Uh, I mean, I think our the, the thing with the Rangers is just the whole philosophy of, you know, we want to win and stuff. And being my first organization, and I spent so much time there, you know, I felt like I definitely – needed to do something like that because the fans, you know, they were always there for me through the good, the bad, and everything. So I want to make sure that, one, they get the, the appreciation that they deserve for everything that they've been through with me and with this organization while I was here. It's going to be the same thing with the White Sox. It's a new beginning. Uh, you know, I know I got a lot of people I need to show that, one, I'm healthy. Two, I want to show them that I can be the pitcher that I once was, you know, due to injuries. It's a bounce-back time. This is, for me, it's, it's, it's time to show that everything's good and and being with the people that I am, you know, with Cooper, everything's going on in Renteria, I feel like this is going to be a, a great bounce back, and I know these are the right fans to be in front of as well. Talking with Derek Holland here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Derek, you uh, made your Major League debut in 09, and I'm pretty sure, if I have the info right, Nolan Ryan got to the organization in 08. I was wondering, you know, as a starter yourself, what your conversations with Nolan Ryan were like with your couple of years uh, with the Rangers. I mean, my God, talk about a guy to learn from. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely the, the top notch. I mean, that's that's where you can get a lot of things from. Uh, a lot of my philosophies and things that I do came from talking with him with, you know, long tossing the day after I pitch or, you know, certain different things, that he, the, the leg workouts, all that stuff. I, I picked his brain as much as I possibly could. And I'm going to do the same thing with the guys at the White Sox. You know, I'm I'm going to sit and talk to each one of those hitters, like Melky. You know, Melky's had a great uh, bit of success against me, and you know, I want to see what he thinks, what, what's going through his mind, and you know, get try to get as much information as I can to better myself. And Nolan was one of those guys that you got to approach him. He's not going to come to you, yeah. and you know, you want to show him that you you want to know what what you need to work on or what he sees, and you know, they're going to help you. I'm, I'm the type of guy that I want to plug in as much as I can and see what's going to help me be a better pitcher on the field. So run me through that. If Nolan Ryan is the kind of guy that you have to go seek out, what was going through your head the first time you went to go talk to him and seek out knowledge? Honestly, the first time I met him, I was like, holy, and I'm not even going to say the words <laughs> I was going to say, but I mean, I was like, this is Nolan Ryan. This isn't, you know, this isn't one of my baseball coaches from back in the day. This is like, this is the legend. And I felt kind of like how my dad did. I got my dad to meet Nolan. And, you know, that was one of the things is, seeing my dad look like a little kid in a candy store like just shocked that he's meeting his his idol was huge and it was the same way just going to approach him I, I wanted to make sure I tried not to stutter or anything crazy like that I want to get my words out and make sure I make sense to him and, and try to make the most out of everything and get all the information I can from him just be a sponge so you make the World Series your second year in the bigs. You're back in 11. And I know that things didn't work out for the Rangers the way that perhaps you'd like. But still, looking back at that run that that squad had, a great baseball team, what, what pops to your mind first when you look back at those two years? Uh, the big thing that really sticks out, and this is what I, I try to explain to people about the White Sox, because I've had a lot of people, well, why'd you go there? They're not going to be any good. Well, it, the thing is with that, it's just because – somebody doesn't look as they like to stay good on paper it's not about that it's how quick how quick you guys click together mold together and feed off of each other it doesn't matter if you have big names or no big names or whatever it's all about being a good group of guys chemistry wise and working together and feeding off of each other any team can be any team on any given day so being you know when i was with the rangers in 10 nobody predicted us to be where we were but the thing is we had that that mojo that swagger that you know we we knew how good we were 
it's going to be the same thing coming into Chicago. You know, I hope to bring a bunch of energy, and I hope these guys, you know, they, they I know they want to win too, and I know that's what it's going to come down to is just, you know, us getting along and going out there and competing every single day and giving, giving our team a chance to win. What, what exactly made things click with you in the White Sox? You talk about that kind of feel and fit. I, I know also, and, and I wonder if this is a conversation you had with, with your agent or with your family or whatever, you know, the White Sox have a, a phenomenal track record in keeping pitchers healthy. And I know you had a couple of bumps the last two years. Did that factor in at all? Yeah, that was a huge factor. The other thing is knowing that how well Cooper's worked with a bunch of lefties. I mean, sure. look at Chris Sale was there. Uh, Quintana's there. Uh, John Danks, Mark Burley. You know, some guys that were there that got a lot of positive things. And every time I would face those guys or – come around I talk to them it was always the same things how they love being there and, and being around Cooper as well so I mean it's to me to me it was a no-brainer on uh on making that decision on where to go I mean I wanted to do what's best for my career so how quickly then in your first conversation with Don Cooper did the words cutter come out of his mouth how quickly did that part of the conversation get together uh we actually picked each other's brains a little bit he wanted to hear what I had to you know what my philosophy was what I was thinking uh, the word cutter did, I think, come up, and I told him I, I uh-huh. had not had very good success with it. But the main thing is I think it's something that we might be working on in spring training. I told him I was going to spend as much time as I can with him and, and get myself as, as good as I possibly can get. I mean, I want to – you know, I'd like to be a, a Chris Sale type of guy. I want to be, you know, a, a one of those dominant lefties out there. I mean, we've got a strong staff already uh, with Rondon and, and Quintana as well. So I feel like we're going we're gonna to be pretty good. So what is your, you know, where are you at in the terms of your career arc right now? I, I find it interesting. You're talking about learning from some really impressive people in baseball. You will be on a, one of the older guys on this pitching staff. And, and there could be, you know, with the White Sox having made a couple of trades lately, so there's some big arms in the minors that could be coming up at some point. Do you, do you see yourself as, as being able to be a mentor? Will you be a guy kind of like Nolan was that, yeah, you can come to me, uh, but I've got plenty for you once you get here? Well, I mean, I know definitely my success doesn't stack up like Nolan's does, but I, I know that I can be able to help guys out. But there's also other veterans on this team as well, and I think, you know, if we just do our job and show them the right ways, it's going to help them to be successful when they get into the future as well. All right, Derek, last one for you, because a lot of Sox fans have asked me this on Twitter, so I figured I'd ask you. Uh, ex- they want to know whether the mustache will be uh, will be available for them at U.S. Cellular Field when you're throwing out your first start. I I don't know why they're asking. They want to know, will the, will you be mustachioed? I mean, that mustache must be one of the sexiest things in baseball. That's why they've Top been three? asking about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm, you know, the main thing is I just want to interact with the fans for a little bit, see how things are, get a good vibe with these guys. And, you know, the main thing is we got to remember is whether I have a mustache or not, I still got to go out there and perform. And, you know, no excuses are around for – saying, you know, because I, I had a mustache, I'm not focused or anything like that. It's all about being focused on the game and having fun at the same time. So if the mustache shows up, we know it's still a good time. Amen. Thanks, Derek. Really appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, looking forward to seeing you at Sox Fest coming up at the end of this month. Looking forward to it, and I can't wait to be there. I'll see you guys soon. That's Derek Holland, and a big thanks to him for joining us here on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. White Sox fans, don't let aches and pains keep you from doing the things you love to do. Schedule an appointment at any of our 340 facilities by visiting athletico.com slash appointments. Athletico, Athletico, the official physical therapy provider of the Chicago White Sox. Athletico, better for everybody.
That does it for us this afternoon. A big thank you for texting, calling, and listening throughout the day. A big thanks to Justin Basic, our producer today. And thanks, of course, to Derek Holland for joining the show. Not too much longer until SoxFest 2017. Look forward to seeing all of you out there over the weekend, January 27th through the 29th. Everybody here at WLS is going to be out there as well, taking in everything. Fest has to offer. Have a wonderful Saturday afternoon. I'm Connor McKnight. Talk to you next week on White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly, presented by Miller Lite, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Listen every week for White Sox Weekly and listen to White Sox baseball right here. WLS AM 890. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.